This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. If you enjoy this podcast, I hope you'll review us whenever you listen or watch. And Krista, you have found one that you want to share yes, I love, with our listeners. I just want to thank the people who review the podcast. And this was from Apple user Having Fun Today. Love that name. Um, and they reviewed the podcast and said, I've been listening to Clark Howard for about 10 years. He not only teaches you strategies to get rid of debt, without any gimmicks, but how to invest at any dollar threshold. If you're looking for things like best stock to buy or best gimmick to invest or get rich quick, Clark is not for you. Additionally, he gives people the latest news on scams to look out for, rip-off companies and banks they're pulling. He receives no kickbacks from investment houses or products. He also explains complicated things in an easy-to-understand language. And best of all, no politics. So... On the politics thing, I need to address, there were a lot of people who were very upset about uh, how I explained what's going on with oil prices and gasoline and looked at it through a political prism. And gosh, I mean, if you want to live in that place in your head, go ahead. But we're in a worldwide energy market. We got a lot of stuff going on right now. And you may be upset that I didn't address it from a political standpoint, I addressed it strictly from your wallet, and that's what you're going to have from me. This is a politics safe zone. If you want politics, you can have that around the clock, and that's not what we're about. What we're about, as I said, empowering you. I want you to be able to have more control. I want you to be able to have options so you can make your money grow, and that's what we do here. So you want the politics? You can find it. I will tell you there's something that really, really gets to my heart and soul. I am eternally grateful to the wonderful, brave, and patriotic men and women who enlist in an all-volunteer military and serve our country. And when they get out they then want to look at the next chapter in their lives. And many times that will involve education. And unfortunately, there have been way too many instances, there were just some new warnings about this, about veterans getting ripped off, being signed up for high-cost student loans that they don't even realize they've signed the documents for. And this is so abusive and infuriates me so much that these people that are ripping them off, they didn't go take a chance uh, spilling their own blood serving our country. They didn't take a chance not coming home because they were serving our country. 
and they just see somebody who's a checkbook walking towards them to take advantage of. If you have prior military service, you may, through the GI Bill or any of a number of ways, have benefits that will pay for the education you wish to pursue. It will provide subsidy for the cost of that education. Be very aware and wary of these sharks in the water that will try to take advantage of you and take your money. If you have a family member or friend who you have caught wind of the fact they're looking at getting a skill or some education or going to college or going back to college, please let them know about the abuses going on in the educational setting to try to hook these people into high-cost loans that will eat them up. Krista? Speaking of student loans, this is from Amy in North Carolina. I have three questions about repaying student loans, both my Parent PLUS and my child's loans. I now have the cash to repay them all, and we don't qualify for any current forgiveness programs. One, should I repay in full now or wait to see if that $10,000 forgiveness materializes? Two, is it likely that Parent PLUS loans will be part of any forgiveness package? Three, and you might need to dust off your crystal ball for this one. If I repay any of these in full back now, but then there's more loan forgiveness later, will I or the student get any money back? So this, these are all three, actually, crystal ball questions. So the smart money would go to paying off the Parent PLUS loans. The possibility that Parent PLUS loans are included in any loan forgiveness that might materialize extremely remote possible but very remote Uh, let's move to the third thing you pay off a loan and then later you're like hey now there's forgiveness can i apply for that very unlikely not impossible but very unlikely Um, your students loans those loans are the likeliest to have some form of forgiveness so once loan payments, whenever they're required to resume, once that happens, paying the minimums on those would be a good strategy. But going ahead, since you have the money and the Parent PLUS loans carry such a high rate of interest, pay those off. Get those done. And if later I'm wrong and wrong and there is some kind of retroactive loan forgiveness, you'll get the money back. If I'm wrong, if I'm right that they're not going to do that and you paid the loans and they would have been forgiven even though they were parent plus, I've cost you money. But the, the odds, you got to play odds in life. And the odds are so strong that there will be no forgiveness on the parent plus, I'd blow those out the door and bide my time on the loans that the, are in the student's name, your child's name. This is from Sharon in Ohio. If I cancel my Amex green card, she's had since 1979. 1979? (laughs) Because they raised the annual fee to $150. Will that affect my credit score, which is currently 831, especially since the card doesn't have a set money limit? I very seldom use the card, keep it mostly for emergencies. Oddly, I've encountered other green card holders that have had their card for a much shorter time than I have, and they're not being charged the $150. I've not addressed the issue with Amex. I'm more curious about my credit score. 
So I would think that the people you know have had a shorter period of time haven't come up on renewal yet because as I understand it, the green card is going to 150. But that doesn't mean you have to pay the 150 at least this first year. You can call American Express and say you're unhappy about the new fee. You've been a card member for, wow, 43 years? Did I get that right? Long, long time, <laughs> even if my math is terrible. And so, uh, gosh, when you got that card, Jimmy Carter was president of the United States. That's a long time ago. Um, I would make that call, see if they'll do something. But you have other options. And what I always recommend is the leapfrog. If you do decide to cancel that card, you find the, the card you want to replace it with so you maintain the number of lines and the available credit. Um, even though American Express doesn't have a preset spending limit, the credit bureaus use a math formula to develop over time what they consider to be your available credit on that card is. So you would want to replace it maybe with a simple no annual fee card that's a cashback card. Or maybe another American Express product that has no annual fee and has some kind of rewards or cashback that appeals to you. But the first thing always is call and say, I'm going to dump you. And they say, well, you've been with us for these zillion years. What if we waive the increase? And then a year from now, you'll be able to delay that decision. Then you might be in a position where you say, I'm done with American Express Green. I'm going on to something else. This is from Deborah in Ohio. Is there any way to block dirty spam emails? I get 100 a week. I don't visit porn pages, et cetera. I'm a 64-year-old female. What are they thinking? Well, as to what they're thinking um, with the spam of pornography, they're just trying to look for the rare individual who wants to click and see what they're sending you. And there's no way to stop it. You can, it's a game of whack-a-mole. You might be able to stop the particular email address sending from by having it marked as spam, reporting it as spam to your email service, and then they'll block that particular origination email address sender. But it doesn't mean you can stop the others. Um, Krista, I assume, like Everybody else in America, you get these as well. You don't want to see them either. Have you come up with an effective strategy? I just, luckily, most of them go into my spam folder now. So I just go in there and occasionally just delete all in my spam folder, uh, maybe once every two weeks, and I just ignore them. And if one makes it into my inbox, I definitely mark it as spam and block it. So most email providers offer, have a spam folder and definitely offer that at this point. So. so if you just blanket empty your spam filter, isn't there time that an email that should not have been spam goes lost in space? Sometimes. I mean, sometimes I'll glance at it just to see if it looks like there's something that I missed. Okay. But. Well, I mean, it's just one of those things. We don't have an effective way to block uh, texts that are coming in, anything like that, and is and you can you can block the text sender, but again, they may change what the origination point is of the text, just like happens with the email. So it's just 
one of those things in life that's very unpleasant, and we just have to, uh, as best we can, put them on ignore and delete. Um, now, one of the things that we do cover on Clark.com in a big way is how you can save money on your streaming and why you should absolutely get rid of getting video direct from your cable monopoly or one of the satellite players. But even if you do go to streaming, you can end up paying a ton of money, you know, sign up for this one, that one, the other one, blah, blah, blah. But there are ways you can lower the cost and still have tons of content. And I want to talk to you about that straight ahead. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. One of the things people find very helpful on Clark.com is our guide to how to pick your service for live streaming, whether you go with Fubo or you go with YouTube TV or you go with Sling or whoever, you can put in the channels that really matter to you and we'll be able to figure out for you what's the cheapest live streaming service. And those generally range from about 30 a month to about 65 a month seems to be where those are. And that's like the replacement for traditional cable or satellite, typically a lot cheaper than you would have been paying for getting television from the Monopoly Cable Company or from Dish Network or DirecTV. So that's part of the game. But where people are dying from wallet creep, dying is too strong a word, but we're talking video content. So I got to throw drama in where people are really hurting their wallets is by signing up for one streaming product after another, after another, after another, Disney Plus, Hulu, who else is there out there? There's a lot, Netflix, how could I forget Netflix? They started the whole thing where it's all video that you watch on your schedule, movies you watch on your schedule, Paramount Plus. There are a lot of these out there where you pay a monthly fee for streaming. Well, before you're done, you could actually be subscribing to enough things that you would never be able to watch all the video content there is anyway. There's probably several of these that you subscribe to that you don't really get around to watching, but you're paying for them. This is no good for your wallet. So what happens is people will hit the wall and they'll realize, oh, I can't believe I'm spending all this. And they start dumping this one and that one and the other one. So what the streaming services of on-demand content are doing is one by one, they're coming up with an advertiser-supported tier. I mean, you've gotten so used to with Netflix and uh, the HBO Max. and See, I keep remembering more and more of these. You've gotten used to having no ads typically. But the reality is if you're 
somewhat indifferent to the streaming service, why don't you get the ad-supported tier as it either already is available or becomes available? I mean, people were shocked in the industry when Disney announced they were going to have an ad-supported Disney+. And that's because the number of subscribers they're getting uh, really stalled out. And they figure there's a whole nother group of people they can get if, in fact, they offer a lower cost one supported by ads. Now, if you value not seeing ads more than you value the green in your wallet, keep doing what you're doing and paying for the more expensive program package that doesn't have the ads or has minimal ads. But for my money, I want you to think about looking at these tiers with the ads that could save you, you multiply times 12, how much money you could save over the course of a year. But wait, there's even less you can spend because the hottest thing in streaming right now are free streaming products. And there are tons of them. It seems like there's new ones all the time. And so you're able to watch a ton of content at no cost other than the old way of watching television with ads. And so I've been doing this in our household. (laughs) My wife and I were talking about it. I don't watch TV other than football. But anyway, she'll be watching a show and it gives her time when there's a commercial. She can go get something to drink or go get a snack or the restroom or something like that. I mean, there's actually an advantage. And occasionally, I know advertisers, she'll actually see your ad. (laughs) But what I like is the lower no cost. So I really want you to think about this in a time where we're getting cost squeezed so many different places because of the inflationary cycle we're in in the United States and around the world. And so this is a way that you can pull money back into your life out of your monthly expenses. And Krista, we get such complicated questions about saving for college. And you've got one you want me to address right here. Yes, this one's from Chris in California. I'm on the fence between doing a 529 plan or saving my money in a traditional savings account or CDs and then opening a child Roth and matching the child's earnings to save for college. Then use the Roth to pay for college minus the earnings. I imagine that dog walking, babysitting, or yard work could start around age 10 or 11 and could build an account not considered by FAFSA until they go to college. So, you know how much I love Ross, right? And it's really great if you have a child who starts doing all these jobs at uh, as soon as they got double digit, 10 or 11, and you offer whatever they save to match and you're building up the money up to what they earn in a year. And then I'd like it to stay in that Roth to grow all through the years for them to have way down the road. Because if a kid starts at 10 or 11 and each year hopefully earning more money and they're putting money in a Roth IRA, the benefit of that money growing tax-free and being spent tax-free like 50, 60 years away, man, I mean, that's fantastic. And you can open a Roth now in several places for as little as $1. So 
why am I not jumping for joy about doing that as a way to pay for college? If the plan, Chris, is for your child to go to college, if that's what happens in the culture of your household, keep it simple. You live in California. California has a low-cost 529 plan. I would go into that. Uh, The effect on parental contribution towards your kid's college of a 529 is tiny. So you're not really hurting in any meaningful way eligibility for financial aid, at least how the rules work now. I mean, with a young child, I guess rules could change a lot down the road, but uh, not likely to the bad on that. This is from Robert in Florida. I have six credit and store cards that I've been paying down. I have a total balance of $19,400 with fourteen three on one of those cards alone. The rest range from $135 to $2,400. I wanted to ask if balance transfer cards or personal consolidation loans are worth it. I'm currently paying my bills using the snowball strategy, which is working for me but I was looking for a quicker solution. I just didn't want to get burned or make things worse. So Robert, um, the snowball is a term people use often. There's basically two methods of attacking when you have multiple credit cards with debt. The most psychologically pleasing is like you have the one that has $135 balance. So you pay minimums on the others and pay the maximum you can in a month on that one so that you eliminate one more card, one more debt, and you go from six to five. And then you attack the fifth one, you go from five to four, with the one the next with the next lowest balance. The thought process is that mentally we find it overwhelming having so many different debts. But I'm uh, more focused on the interest rates involved, and particularly with a store card, the rates tend to be the absolute highest. Store cards usually will be 25 to 36% interest. Major credit cards tend to be more in the range of 16 to 20% interest, averaging somewhere 17, 18%. So if you just stayed in the environment you're in paying down debt, my advice is pay the minimum towards five of them and pay the maximum towards the debt with the highest interest rate. And that will have the biggest bang for every dollar you pay. Now, let's go to the thing you asked about, what I sometimes refer to as rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. If you take out a personal loan, consolidation loan, or you do a balance transfer, why do I call it rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic? Because if you transfer a balance but still have the temptation of now having that available credit on a card, and then you use the card you balance transferred out from, then you have not improved your situation. On the other hand, if you are at a point in your life, Robert, where you're completely disciplined and you know you're not going to take on more store credit card debt, and your goal is to take the 19.4 to zero, that's what you're about, then it is okay to do and what the best opportunity is right now is a balance transfer. Uh, I've got a briefing on Clark.com with some of the balance transfer offers available in the marketplace where you get 0% interest for up to 18 months. The best offers are 18 months. So that would give you a year and a half for whatever you qualify for for balance transferring 
to pay it off without an interest rate burden. And you typically have to pay a 3 4 or 5% upfront fee for the balance transfer, but having 18 months with no interest charge is a very efficient way for you to pay off debts. And as much of that 19-4 as you could qualify for on a balance transfer, if you stay on task, stay on target, you're taking that amount of money out of play that you've been paying high interest on, and you're able to have every single penny you pay reduce the balance. This is from Katie in Texas. My husband and I are expecting a baby in April. Congratulations. Congratulations. And hoping to take a trip in August before we both go back to work. I know you've said you should book summer travel now since it will be expensive, but we don't want to book anything until we know what being a parent is like. Do you have any recommendations for us to get a great deal? We are flexible with where we go, whether domestic or international. We just want to save some money. I grew up listening to your show and can't wait to make my own child listen to it. (laughs) That is so cruel of you, Katie, making your baby listen to me. But anyway, um, congratulations again. So uh, the window really has closed on beating the much higher prices for summertime travel. I'm sorry to say that. Uh, We had a window that really seems to have vanished for now. But you said a key thing, August. So now in the United States, huge percent of schools go back into session as soon as August 1st but certainly overwhelmingly by the second week of August. So that has created a different bargain calendar for air travel than we used to have. Second week of August, and depending on the year, the airlines tend to start the lower prices around the 15th. The latest seems to be around 20th, 22nd, right in there. They offer their fall fares because travel demand drops off by a meaningful amount as soon as kids go back to school. So I would hold off for a while, wait for one of these quote-unquote fall airfare sales that start in August, and you'll be able to buy a deal. And plus, you wait a while, you'll know what parenthood is like and what kind of trip you actually want to take once you get to August, which likely will not be a trip where you have to fly halfway around the world because you'll be too exhausted to do that. And I want to thank you so much for listening today. I hope that you have a phenomenal rest of your day.